0: Hey, could you do me a huge favor before we get going this morning? Would you welcome all of those who are joining us live online via Facebook, our website, YouTube? And then just a little bit louder, come on, for the Eunice Correctional Facility, our brothers and sisters in Christ. I hope you can hear them. We love you guys, and we're glad to have you. I want to talk to you today about the theme, the theme of my story. The theme of my story should be the theme of... His story. I want to ask you what is the theme in week one? Just some little snippets in review. In week one, we learned that today's decisions will affect tomorrow's stories. Okay, 35,000 decisions a day, the average adult will make 35,000 decisions a day, and seemingly insignificant decisions will make an incredible, eternal impact. Seemingly insignificant decisions will actually have a significant impact. You just being kind. You taking the time to go the extra mile. We had someone in our service, in our sanctuary, who was here visiting one Sunday and then went to the restaurant after that service. And this mother of of children with her watched one of the people who were in our service with us that Sunday walk over to the busboy and tip the busboy for working so hard and telling him thank you. They were impressed by the seemingly insignificant decision. A mother of children sitting at the table was able to say did you see what that person just did? That is a genuine individual and because someone took the time to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, to the busboy. You don't tip the busboy, for the record. You tip the waiter, the waitress. But this person decided to go above and beyond what was just required. They went above and beyond the first mile and walked into the second mile. And a young mother with her babies at a restaurant said, that is genuine Christianity. That is an authentic relationship with Jesus. We're going back to that church from now on because that's something that we want to be a part of. You may think it doesn't matter, but you never know who's watching. You never know what impact those stories, those decisions may have. That same week, I reminded you that your story is not over. I want to remind you today that that Jesus, in the Word of God, His Holy Spirit promises that even the years will be restored unto you. See, we think so many times, well, man, I messed that up. That time is lost. But then we forget that the same God that created the heavens and the earth and saved our soul is the God that created time and gave us the ability to invent a clock. He's not bound by the things He created. And as long as He's still writing your story, your yesterday doesn't have any more influence over your tomorrow than anything that you're doing at that exact moment when you change and turn and fix your eyes on Jesus and let him take you in a new direction. He is the author and the perfecter and he will restore unto you even the years. My story is being written by my Savior. I'm not writing my story. And it's not because I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor because he was writing my story. We're in Eunice, Louisiana. You don't just move to Eunice. I'm just... Yeah, no, y'all think that's funny, ever, but, but you don't just like, hey, babe, you know, I know like East Texas is great, you know, this $26 million school budget our kids are going to, but man, let's go to Eunice. You know, let's, let's go do something else. I love going out here and seeing all these deer every time I walk out the door, but you know, let's go look at some mosquitoes. You know, I'm just kind of tired of this. Let's go see some pterodactyls uh, that suck your blood. Let's go do that instead. No, no, no. We do that because my Savior is writing my story. And you know what? We're having a blast in this city watching God move because when you give God your story, he begins to do things that you could have never even thought of on your own. Now last week we went into this story about the rich young ruler and we're gonna use this today and we learned that there are times when we are called to give up our comfort as believers. There are times when we are called to concede our convenience as children of God. And then there are times, it's not all the time. It doesn't have to be all the time. There's nothing wrong with having nice things and and saving and storing and planning. But there are times whenever God will call us to cast off all constrictions and follow Him with all of our heart in an extravagant way. And this morning... As we go into this final phase of this message series, I want to show you something about the rich young ruler before we move that I believe was the difference between him, him and the man that we're going to talk about this morning. I believe that the rich young ruler let his idea of Jesus get in the way of his encounter with Jesus. And if we're not careful... Then we can have an idea of Jesus, an idea of God, an idea. Of his spirit, we could have a preconceived notion because of our previous atmosphere or our upbringing or our experience that could get in the way of a fresh encounter. And I don't know about you, but I don't want what I think I know in my minuscule ability to understand to get in the way of a supernatural, all powerful, divine encounter that will affect my ultimate destiny. I don't want my idea of Jesus to get in the way of the encounter that Jesus wants to have personally with me. And I want to challenge any mentality that would get stuck there or that would stop there. We can't put God in a box. We can't hold him and limit him to anything except for his word. And when we let our idea of Jesus get in the way, of our encounter with Jesus, we are putting a lid on what we believe God is able to do, even able to do in and through us. Now, our church, you've heard me say this probably a thousand times, just about every Sunday at the least, both services on Wednesday night. Our church exists for this reason. As we sought the Lord for this phrase that we believe God to help us achieve, it is New Hope's vision to meet people and grow closer to God together. It's why we do things the way that we do them. It's why we have the structure that we have to never get out of order, but to always live extraordinarily, to meet people And grow closer to God together. We believe actually this is why Jesus came. This is the theme that Jesus had. I'm going to show you the scripture that gives me that justification. And I actually did not discover the scripture or realize how well it fit until after God gave us that phrase that fit in our vision. Let me say it this way. If if Jesus is our author... And if Jesus is truly writing our story, listen, listen, then his why will line up with ours. Or our why will line up with his. In other words, the theme of our story will reflect the theme of his story. And so if your life does not reflect at this point, then you can just understand that your gracious Heavenly Father is still willing to let you be in training. And you can still be in the process to where He is making you and molding you into the form and the image and the likeness of His Son. My story, my theme, if He is the author, my why, the theme of my existence, should also reflect His I believe that we can find Jesus' why in this story in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, if you're taking notes, you can write that down. You can turn into your paper Bible or electronic Word of God. In Luke chapter 18, and, and by the way, my little brother said that he and his friend, I called him this morning before service, I was making sure that he was going to church, and he was in the duck blind. And, and so I said with a great amount of Christian envy, um, man, you know that Jesus ain't in that duck blind with you this morning. He's, he's at church with us today. And so he said, he said well, we were going to listen to you on Facebook and our phone. And I said, well, you better hope God gives you credit for that. So I just wanted to say hey to my church skipping brother this morning. How you doing? We <laughs> love you and your wee little friend Brooks. I wrote a message just for you today. Luke chapter 18 is the story of Zacchaeus. It's a similar spirit. We have stopped just to recognize you guys. Hope you shot those pintails, but save me some for Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday morning in the name of Jesus. Verse 1. I'm going to read this story quickly today. My brother will not tell me he is in the duck blind on a Sunday morning (laughs) anytime soon. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. Verse 2, there was a man there named Zacchaeus. Now listen, Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector in the region. Here's what this meant, okay? It meant that one of God's people began to become part of the system that would rob from God's people. He... This Jewish man, one of God's people, Jewish man, began to work for the Roman government that was, by the way, listen, but before you go down that road, was not like the RIS, I-R-S, <laughs> the RIS, the I-R-S, okay? There was, this, they would steal, okay? They wouldn't just audit and, and irritate. <laughs> they would steal. So this man was a part of governmental theft, of his own people, all right? I just wanted to make sure because we've read this story and, and it's like our favorite Vacation Bible School song, right? We all learned that Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he, yeah, he climbed up in, a, I don't know if it was Sycamore or not, but we, it just sounds like it flows in the song. So that's what he climbed up in. And, but this man was, this was an evil man. Like he was very, very much disliked. By his own people, he, he wasn't just a sinner. Okay, he was a reprobate. Uh, he had left his own people. He, for them, he was a thief. He was a liar. He was a traitor. Okay, that's who this guy was in this story. He was a tax collector in the region. He wasn't a tax auditor. He was a tax collector. He would come and take without permission, with no oversight. And he had become, because he operated in this manner, he had become very rich. What some of these guys would do is they would take more money than what the government sent them to take, and then they would keep that money for themselves. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short, (laughs) this is so funny, to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree. A fig tree, sycamore, whatever. Beside the road. For Jesus, why? Jesus was coming in that direction. When is the last time that you got ahead of the crowd to meet Jesus? When is the last time that you ran ahead of what everybody else was doing? Ran ahead of the cultural norm? Ran ahead of the expectation? ran ahead of the requirement. When is the last time that the body of Christ led the way for the next thing that Jesus wanted to do? We were so in touch with His Holy Spirit that He did not just remind us of the things that Jesus said, but He prepared us for the things that were yet to come. When's the last time we ran ahead of the crowd, away from the crowd? Just to make sure that we met with Jesus, that my Savior was writing my story. For Jesus was going to pass that way. Verse 5. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said. By the way, you could insert anyone's name in this same fact. Right now, I want to encourage you. I want you to put your name right there. And I want you to understand. I believe with all of my heart. Listen, I place my, this is not just something that I say because I do this vocationally. I place my children's livelihood on the fact that I believe that Jesus is calling your name. I place my ability to put food in front of my babies. I place my ability to provide a vehicle for my bride. I place my family's lives at stake on the fact that I believe that this is more than a story. That I believe that Jesus isn't just calling Zacchaeus this morning. That he's calling your name from the heavens. He's calling you to run ahead of the crowd. He's calling you to hear from his spirit. He's calling you to climb up in a tree if you can't see past whatever it is that's standing in front of you. He's calling you to find a way to meet with him because he's ready to call your name and have a meeting with you. I want you to put your name right there. Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. So Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. He took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. When is the last... Man, there's so much in this story. When is the last time that you left this sanctuary and you took Jesus to your house? in excitement and joy. You didn't just come to his house with an expectation to experience something that had been prepared for you. You took Jesus to your house with an expectation of something that you were going to prepare for all of those that he's given you influence with. Take Jesus out of this house and put him in your house. And when you go, go there with an expectation of an excitement and a joy of the fact that he didn't just write the story of this church in this sanctuary. He writes the story of your life in your home for your babies, for your children and your children's children. And everybody and everything that God has put in your path for tomorrow. Take him with you and let him write your story. Now, Zacchaeus quickly calmed down, verse 7, but the people were displeased. (laughs) Look, when I get Jesus and I'm excited about something he's doing and I have an expectation and a joy and people come to me, and it happens, people come to me with a religious attitude and they don't like something that God just used to set somebody free. It always happens, by the way. Somebody gets irritated about whatever it is that you did in order to reach the person that you reached. People became displeased, and Jesus ran over them and threw them in the. Di- that's not what it says. That's what I <laughs> say. Listen, watch this. Watch, watch, watch. This is really important. Why were they displeased? He has gone down to be the guest of a notorious sinner. He's reaching somebody outside of the church. They didn't even come that they were hunting in a duck blind this morning. weren't even. Sorry. It's Christian envy. It's Christian envy. is going to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Watch this. I want you to notice something. Jesus didn't give them the time of day. He didn't waste his energy, his effort, his emotion, or even his words on that ignorance. And neither should you. If somebody can't see what God's doing in your life, then you share your story, but don't you get in a fight with them. When the enemy sends people to try to pull you off course, when you're following Jesus to your house, When you're walking with Him in right relationship and the enemy sends somebody to get in your way, you do what Jesus did. God bless you. We'll see you. You just keep on walking. You fix your eyes on Jesus, not that which was behind you or even around you, but that which is before you. And you walk on straight home and you walk with Him. Jesus didn't even acknowledge these people. In fact, the Bible doesn't even acknowledge them except for to say that they were in the way. Meanwhile... (laughs) Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said it's like he heard these people and just because he was with Jesus he was so focused on Jesus that he didn't even hear what they had to say and by the way Zacchaeus is not the good guy in this story those people that were grumbling were people that Zacchaeus had stolen from those people that were grumbling were people that could not feed their children because of what Zacchaeus took from their house. So these people actually had a right to grumble. But when Zacchaeus heard it because he was standing in the presence of Jesus, he said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four." times as much I want you to notice that when you have an encounter with Jesus he doesn't even have to request anything for you from you for you to begin giving and investing into that kingdom when you get rid of the idea that you had of Jesus and you have an authentic encounter with Jesus you will begin to confess things because you don't want to carry them any longer you will begin to get rid of things because you understand if I can cast it on him he actually has the ability to carry it. I'm not going to drag this dead weight down the road anymore. I'm going to make this thing right in Jesus name. He's got something that I want and I'm willing to give up anything or everything to get to the place that he has for me. That's what Zacchaeus did in this instance. And it is the difference. Listen, it's the difference between Zacchaeus's story and the story of the rich young ruler that never became a disciple of Jesus. It's the difference between Zacchaeus becoming a follower of Christ and the 13th disciple that never was. Jesus responded, this is the evidence of salvation. Salvation has come to this home today for this man has shown himself because repentance will always be evident in redemption. He has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. And then here's Jesus' wife, where we're going to settle. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Here's what he's saying. Jesus did not come to be celebrated. He came to save. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to understand that salvation is more fulfilling than celebration. Salvation and seeing God work through you and into the life of someone else. Getting on track with Jesus and starting your journey with Him—it's—it's it's more fulfilling than celebrating our own lives. Now, I, I told this story this morning. Um, I don't even remember how I got into it at this point, but uh, I, I actually am—I am an odd individual in this respect. Before you, Amen. That. Uh, <laughs> I actually don't boo me. Okay. That's goofy. And I'm going to point at you and tell you to stop that and call your name on camera. Like I did my brother. Okay. I said, I am actually a Dallas Cowboys fan. I know. Hang on. Hang on. Okay. Whoa, whoa. Look at you. God bless you girl. Come here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Here's why though, before you judge me, hang on, hang on before you judge me. Okay. Listen, my dad that passed away, at 24, he took me when I was seven years old to the NFC Championship game when Dallas beat the 49ers and Bernie Kosar came in and won the game for the Cowboys. And I have a Dallas Cowboys hat with Bernie Kosar's signature on it hanging in my office that my dad took me to as a little boy. So on you. Okay. (laughs) That's why I'm a fan. Okay. But here, look, here's what makes me odd. I really like the Saints too. I'm sorry. Like I, I know, like you can do that. It is true. You can, you can do that. I know. I'm still from North Louisiana. It's still Louisiana. I'd happen to like both. And by the way, they're quarterbacks from North Louisiana, so I, I'm, I like both of them. Okay, like. I'm a big fan. I love Drew Brees. I cheered for the Saints when they won the Super Bowl. We were in Arkansas, Arkansas, and anything that makes Louisiana look better than Arkansas is a win for me when I was living there, okay? I'm just letting you know. We had a dog in our family. It was my sister's dog, and it's this cute little uh, murky, Yorkie poop thing. It's, it was a cute little black dog. It was a cute little dog. I'm telling you, I, I liked him. His name was Breeze. Okay? It was Kelsey's dog. And, and then Breeze was adopted um, by the, the purchaser of that dog, which was my parents. And then basically that dog became my stepdad's dog. His little black dog named Breeze. Precious little dog. Okay. I love Drew Breeze. And here's the point of this whole deal. When the Saints won the Super Bowl, at no point in that parade, as good of a guy as Drew Breeze is, there was no point in that parade when Drew Brees was celebrating his Super Bowl victory. At no point did they get halfway around the French Quarter in that celebration, and Drew Brees go, hey, whoa, whoa, stop the celebration. There's a little dude in a tree. <laughs> okay, it's a great guy, he really is. I love him a lot. Okay, but, but I want you to understand that is what happened in this story. That that even in our in our own success, and I'm not saying it's evil that they were celebrating winning the Super Bowl. But but if they could celebrate winning the Super Bowl, listen, Jesus was not celebrating winning the Super Bowl. People were celebrating the fact that he was the Super Bowl. They were celebrating that the Messiah had come, and it could have easily turned into a self-absorbed moment in his 100% man flesh, it could have easily been a moment for Jesus to receive that glory for himself, but he refused to because he saw somebody that was not where they needed to be with him, and the reason that he saw them is because he was looking, and I love that about this story. It would be as if Drew Brees stopped the entire celebration because he saw somebody on the street that needed what he had worse than him. And I love that. The idea that Jesus would do that for me. That that Jesus understood the Andrew principle. In John chapter one, verse 40, we're not gonna go there, I've just given you this as a reference, just let me tell you the story. We see one of the first disciples of Jesus, and his name was Andrew. And Andrew had this encounter with Jesus that caused him to run back to the people that he cared about. And one of the people that he ran to and proclaimed his encounter with Jesus was Simon Peter. See, and then Simon Peter, along with John and Paul, would become one of the most influential disciples and apostles that knew and walked with Jesus that had an experience or an encounter with Jesus, one of the most influential, and listen to me, listen, listen, here's what's so important about this. Simon Peter, his story is never told without the invite of the unsung hero, Andrew. We never hear about Simon Peter. If Andrew just gets excited about his encounter with Jesus and then spends the rest of his existence fulfilling himself only in that relationship... See, Acts 20, verse 35, Paul writes, Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. In other words, he understood the principle that Andrew operated in. That it is more blessed to give of yourself than it is to receive for yourself. It's more blessed to go and raise somebody else up and watch them be used of God and his ability than it is even to be used of God on your own. Who led Billy Graham to Jesus? Who gets credit for that? Who sat back and watched that man lead millions of people, whatever you feel about his gospel or his doctrine, it's it's not relevant to this point. Somebody led him to Christ, and then he gave millions of people the opportunity. I told you a few weeks ago the story of the four guys that invited Pastor Craig Groeschel to play softball in college, an unbelieving teenager, an unchurched, unbelieving, and a hurt, partying, reveling, reveling drunkard. I don't even know if that's a word, but that's, what, who, he, that's who he was, and these four guys saw potential in Craig Rochelle. These four guys saw something that he needed, and so they invited him along in their journey. And Craig Rochelle would go on to plant life Church 20-something years ago. And that church would develop the U Version Bible app with one billion down, one billion, billion, not million, not like, oh wow, that's a big number. No, it's a huge number. If you started counting right now, it would take you 15 years to count to this number of this church's download in this app, this U Version Bible app. One billion downloads that never happened if four guys did not invite Craig Groeschel to come play softball. They are the unsung heroes. They are the Andrews of Craig Rochelle's story. Because when we give, we gain access to their story. So guess who gets credit for Craig Rochelle? Jesus. You thought I was going to say those four guys. I know. Him through them. Because they weren't satisfied with just being fulfilled on their own. They understood that in order for me to gain access or gain a right, gain influence into that story, I've got to invest in it. I've got to give. So I know a lot of pastors that use this scripture for finances. And you know what? I believe they're justified in it. Because I believe certainly this scripture would include our finances. You know why? Because we live in America and we put more faith in our finances than we do in our father. You want me to prove it? Let your finances get ripped out from underneath you and see how it affects your faith. See, we think when something doesn't line up financially that there's something wrong with our relationship with God. Or that God doesn't care about us. But what I came to tell you today is the same thing that I've been trying to preach. Whether it's in in regards to finances or physical health or anything ever between. That our faith in our Father is not affected by any of those things. Our faith in our Father is not affected by our finances. Our finances are affected by our faith in our Father. The way that we see our lives and the way that we live and the way that we give of our time, talent, and treasure is evident And how we believe in him. And our faith in him should affect all of those things. We should find more fulfillment in the success of others than we do in our own. As believers, we should find more fulfillment in the success of others than we do in our own. And listen, I personally believe that this is why many, many believers live unfulfilled lives. They're living unfulfilled lives. They fall away from the church or whatever verbiage you want to use. They drift away or they, they never really believed in the first place. Whatever it is. What truly happened was that they were never fulfilled because they weren't fulfilling what God called. We will never be fulfilled until we are fulfilling the call of God on our lives until we are reaching beyond ourselves and allowing God to use us in the lives of other people or maybe you're not ready for that you need to reach beyond yourself and let Jesus begin to give you an encounter outside of your preconceived idea about him we were created for fulfillment and i i want to be an unsung hero i want to be somebody's unsung hero I want to be the Andrew in somebody's life that helped them begin their journey with Jesus. And then I look up and I see them go further than I could have ever gone because they started sooner than I began. Or God decided to use them for more. Number two, restoration was found in relationship. We preach this a lot and I've got to hurry right here, but I just want you to understand, I'll, I don't want to belabor this point. I won't even spend nearly as much time on it, but restoration was found in relationship for Zacchaeus. Listen, we will not find what we are not looking for. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. You know why churches are dying, closing their doors, and pastors are leaving the ministry? as they're focused in the four walls. Instead of the community in which God has placed them. Salvation, restoration came through relationship from someone that was looking for him. We will not find what we are not looking for. Let me just debrief, just for like decompress here just a little bit. Not too long ago, um, our little girl broke her arm. She fell and splinter fracture. I don't know what it's called. I'm not a medical person. And so I, I'm a preacher, and I don't get that stuff. I have to Google it. It's WebMD or something. Anyway, she had a cast. And, uh, and, man, she was so excited about the. Don't roll your eyes at me, girl. I will whip you when nobody's looking. Okay, see, so anyway, not really, baby. She's so tiny. She kicked my tail when I'm asleep. Okay, anyway, so she had a cast, and, and she was so excited because we cut the cast off, right? We're like, yay, we got our cast off. And then she got this brace on. She's like, Yeah. It's a brace. Okay, so the doctor told her that my, my eight year old is like a type rule follower. Okay, I don't have time to give you all the examples, but I mean, by the book, right? And the doctor said, You have to wear this anytime you're not at home. Okay, so she's had to have this on. And we're getting everybody ready for school. we got four babies in our house getting ready. We only have three, but we have an adopted baby every, every morning that, that we get to take to school. It just lightens up our morning. And we have all four of them getting ready. Okay, Megan has all four of them getting ready. I was, just, <laughs> I was getting ready, too. She doesn't have to help me. She just helps them. So anyways, it was, uh, she does make coffee for me. And put, anyways, so, <laughs> Adeline can't find her brace. And it's time to go. She's like, I can't find my brace. Emery had my brace. She was playing with us. Emery's falling. I gotta go to school. Gabriel had it. Gabriel, what'd you do with it? You know, it a, somebody else I'm like, Whoa, whoa, hey. What are we doing? I can't find my brace. Yeah, I heard that part. It's like, okay, babe. You take the other three. Y'all go to school. Okay, I'm gonna hold her here. And so here's what we did. Instead of crying and whining and complaining and fussing, we looked for it. We looked for the brace. And then every few minutes or so, she would be a little bit tempted, right, to, to come back and be like, I can't find it. It's like, oh, no, hang on. We're not going to cry and whine. We're going to look. Why is our church not growing? Because we're not looking. Why, why is our life unfulfilled? Because we're not looking. Why am I not being used by God? Because you're not looking to be used by it. You know where we found the brace? At the bottom of a laundry basket. I know! Like, why is it there? Who knows? You know how we found it? We look for it. You know what I found? We look for what we really find valuable. What we care about the most, we will spend time looking for. I've lost one of my little rubber rings that I bought for like two bucks on Amazon. I got a whole pack for like seven bucks or something. I've lost one of those before. You know how much time I spent looking for it? Not very much. But if she lost that ring, we'd be looking y'all cuz That was like a one-time expense, you know what I'm saying? We spend some time looking for it why? Because we find it valuable. We're not finding people because we're not looking. For people in the, and I fear as a church, not this church, but as a church, as the body of Christ, we have been so consumed by our own celebration, success, and cares of our lives that we have not been looking for what God calls heaven's treasure, not an earthly treasure where moth and rust. Can destroy and a thief can come in and steal. You know what was wrong with those people? Their focus was on the wrong treasure. So they hated a man that God wanted to deliver because he had taken what they found valuable. It's huge. Verse 5 says when Jesus came to the place, the place that he was looking for, Jesus gave Zacchaeus a place to belong. Listen, listen, you remember I told you he's calling your name today? He's giving you a place to belong. And I don't care what anybody else says in this house or outside of it. God made me the pastor of this place. And I don't even understand why. But I'm telling you that he's calling your name and you belong. You belong. It is out of relationship that you will find your restoration. And it is out of a place to belong that you will find your faith to believe. You belong. It's the final point. You ready? Zacchaeus' redemption was proven in his repentance. His repentance. See, John the Baptist came preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's the only thing that he would preach. He would preach over and over again. Repent for the kingdom of heaven. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He just went all over the place. He built a church by by a one-line sermon. Some of y'all fall asleep. If I say the same thing more than twice, y'all fall asleep even though I'm telling funny stories and trying to keep your attention. One word sermon, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Some of y'all wonder why I clap. So wake up your friend. Look, see, I just woke people up. (laughs) Repent. That word is metanoia. Here's what it literally meant. Change the way that you think. You have an idea of Jesus. Repent. Because he wants to have an encounter with you. Your redemption draweth Nigh, repent. Remove your idea of Jesus. Do you know the difference between the rich young ruler, the name of the disciple that never was, and Zacchaeus, the story that has become one of the most popular vacation Bible school songs ever? Repentance. Repentance. He changed his mind. He got rid of earth's perspective and he gained heavens in an instant. And then the changing of his mind allowed him to have an encounter with Jesus that ultimately, ultimately would cause epistrepho, the Greek word for repentance that means a turning away from sin and a turning to the Savior. Repent, repent, repent. The difference in the man whose name we never knew. Why did we never know his name? Because he was not influential. He walked away sad because he had too much stuff. But Zacchaeus brought Jesus to his house. And salvation came to a household. Because a man was redeemed. And it was proven in repentance. Listen to me. Your redemption is not purchased in your repentance. In other words, you don't repent so that you can be redeemed. You repent because you are redeemed. You repent because you experience something bigger than yourself. And your repentance is proof of the redemption that God has given you and is giving you. When that happened, the theme of God's story became the theme of Zacchaeus' story. See, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and he breathed life into the body. But man sinned and became fallen and therefore was drawn out of relationship with God. But God so loved the world that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, he set up a plan that he prophesied and then it came to pass in John chapter 3, verse 16, that God so loved the world and mankind that he put in the world that he Gave He gave because God himself understood that it was better to give than to receive. And so Paul, even though that phrase is nowhere in the four canonical gospels that we call available and accessible to the church in our movement, even though that phrase is never in there, Paul reminded Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In fact, he was talking to Luke, the author of the book of Acts, and he said, remember of the words of the Lord Jesus. Remember the words that you forgot to write down, remember and put this in the book because Jesus told me this and it's important enough that I want you to make sure and write it as a part of your story that it is better to give than to receive. And when God intervened in the life of Zacchaeus and he gave his only begotten son and the son who was seeking to save that which was lost received somebody into his kingdom, the same theme that God began to write in Genesis chapter 3 that came to life in John chapter 3, was invested on the inside of Zacchaeus, and it affected everything and everybody on the outside. God so loved that he gave. Zacchaeus received what he gave, and Zacchaeus repeated repeated the process of that giving. The sign of our redemption is not that we repented. The sign of our redemption is that we are repenting, and we are reciprocating that redemption in the lives of other people in our Our story, the fulfillment of the Christian life will be found in fulfilling the call of God to repeat the process of redemption and let his theme become your theme and his story become your story. And you can watch it come to pass if you will get rid of your idea of Jesus and replace it with an encounter of his presence and a supernatural experience that takes place on the inside and affects everything and everybody on the outside father right there where we sit i pray that this place would be holy ground god right now i pray that you would speak to our hearts god in jesus name i pray nobody moving around looking around or stirring was holding tight even right now i want to pray for anyone in the room who stopped following jesus who started following the crowd, anyone in the room who's never received salvation or they don't know whether they had an authentic encounter with Jesus, I pray right now that they would be stirred in their spirit that you are calling their name and that they belong to you. God, before we go there, I wanna talk to the followers of Jesus in the house. For those of you who are following Him, you should be confident in who you are in Him. Our security is found in Him, our provision. But here's what I want to ask you today. Even though you're confident in Christ, and if you were to have to stand before Him today, you are confident in who you are and receiving His kingdom because you've received His salvation and you're walking in it. Let me ask you this question. Who are you being an unsung hero for? Are you more concerned with the cares of this life? Your own time, talent, and treasure? Or are you more concerned with seeking and saving and letting his theme be yours? Father, I pray right now that we would evaluate. That we wouldn't be consumed by temporary things but that our focus would remain on you and that you would use us to be the unsung hero of someone else's story because we give even more than we receive but that's where we find our fulfillment and our blessing and let me come back nobody looking around you sit in this sanctuary right now and you don't know you don't know where you are with Him, or maybe you know that you're not where you need to be. Whether you need to receive salvation for the very first time, or maybe you need to recommit, rededicate your life personally to Jesus today. I believe that He stopped here this morning and that He's calling your name. And all you have to do is climb down. All you have to do is confess him and he'll lead you into everything else that he has for you. So right where you sit, whether you need to receive salvation for the very first time or or maybe you just need to recommit this morning because you know you have not been following Jesus, I just want you to lift your hand right where you are. Nobody looking around? Thank you, I see you. Anybody else? Thank you. This is just between you and Jesus. It's for you. The only reason I'm even looking is just so I can know who to pray for. If the Lord is calling you, if the Holy Spirit stirring you, thank you, thank you, I see you. If the Holy Spirit stirring in you. If you have that, that sense in your stomach, like, man, I don't know, just lift your hand. We just want to agree with you right where you are. Not going to call you forward, not going to embarrass you. Just going to pray with you. Anybody else, thank you. Now listen, whether you raised your hand or whether you didn't, We believe at this church that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you can receive salvation right where you sit because whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And even though you're not promised tomorrow, you're promised this moment. And we want to join our faith with yours for you to receive and commit and confess him as Lord. So church, I want to ask you to help us. Whether you raised your hand, whether you didn't, I want you to pray this prayer with all of your heart. Let's pray it out loud. You ready? Jesus, forgive me for falling short, for being distracted, for celebrating myself over others. Save me, cleanse me, and use me for your kingdom. May I follow you with all of my heart From this day forward, take my life and make it yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can you give him praise where you sit today? Come on, stand with me all over the sanctuary. Hey, I just want to remind you that we believe at this church, it's that simple to begin that journey. We believe that you can begin that journey with that confession. But if you continue in his word, Then you are his disciples indeed and then you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Let him continue writing your story. Hey, I want to invite you to two things. One, this evening at 530, we're going to have our best dish dinner right here in the Children's Center. If you don't have a place to go celebrate Thanksgiving this year, or even if you do, we want to invite you. Listen, we want you to bring your best dish if you have time for it. And if your best dish is throwing something together at the last minute, then you can join me and my bride in what we're going to bring. Okay, so we want we want you to come. And uh, and And even more than that, listen, whether you bring anything or not, we want you to come. You don't have to bring anything this evening in order to come have time and, and, and eat some food and just meet some people that you may not know. Come back tonight at 530 and let's, let's have a Thanksgiving meal together. We'll pray together. It'll be a good time. Just low key, no agenda, just having some food. Would you have a question? Yeah, uh, my wife, is. you can see my bride, I've got next steps right after service. If you want to help us set up some tables, that'd be great. See, that's why I have so many people around me to help me remember things that I need to remember. Hey, God bless you. Thank you for coming today. Come back next week. We've got an unveiling an unveiling of something that you're going to want to be here to see next week I can promise you it is a Thanksgiving celebration you don't want to skip service next Sunday you're going to want to be here it's going to be an incredible Sunday where we get to celebrate something extremely significant because you gave and because you've done things this year so come back let me pray a blessing over you we will get out of here today hold your hands out like I'm handing you a present Father I thank you not because of who I am but because of you, who you are God, I bless your people in Jesus' name. I pray that you would make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us, that you would lift up your countenance and that you would give us your peace. God, I pray that you would place your hand upon our lives and that you would expand our perspective beyond ourselves. God, may you use us and I pray that your Holy Spirit would come into us and empower us to be an example with every person that you put in our path. Father, this morning, right now, would you anoint us to accomplish your will, to walk in your ways, and to achieve the vision that goes beyond our own experience, to meet people and grow closer to God together. May we never be settled or satisfied with less than your best. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said, amen. God bless you.